0: you're just looking at you, but when there's a hundred faces looking at you, it's uh, completely different. So anyways, uh, if you would turn to Colossians, so we're going to give a testimony on the kingdom seekers and how we got started, Um, which of course I could give you a easy two second answer and just say God and walk out, but uh, I'll give a little testimony on what God uses for. So like he said, my name is Brady Barnes, Uh, my wife is Holly Barnes, who's not here today. We, uh, we're the family that has at least one kid in every class over there, and some classes too, so, uh, but all five of them have a fever today, so mom stayed home. So anyways, uh, it was cautions, and we're going to do verse 9. It says, for this, because we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, be fruitful in every good work, and increasing the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power unto patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, and giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to meet the partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. So those verses I just read you is actually what we, what we were praying for, for me to get into HBI. Um but we it can be applied anywhere. So 6 years ago we walked through those doors and of course my wife walked in the, through them first uh for a couple weeks without me. Um because religion or anything else was definitely not uh not part of our relationship. So um anyway she walked through the door. Uh, she was she was raised as a uh, Jehovah's witness and um a friend from work encouraged her to come. So she did, and she actually got saved on a Wednesday night here. I think it was like her second Wednesday night. And uh, she got saved, and and everything changed. I mean, it was literally God used that and everything else to change our lives. And then I started coming, and uh, and it was a couple weeks. I mean, we I think it was like two weeks later we talked to Tom Fort. We just wanted to know what discipleship was, which is what we call D1. Uh, but we just wanted to know what it was. We just wanted the information. We just wanted to see, you know, just is there a packet for it or something we can read to see if we're interested. Well, then a week later, uh, little I know that God was going to change that little thought of just wanting information into, I mean, he was going to change our lives dramatically. And I I only have a couple minutes to tell you, but I'm going to try and sum it up. So we go through D1 with uh, Jason and Paige McGuire, who are not here today. Um, And that's a two-year process because... Before we started coming uh, to church, we had one kid already, and during D1, we decided to have two more, so that that drug it out more. <laughs> um, and, but we, I mean, we were able to go on missions trips, and and uh, at the time, Jason and Paige were actually leaders over here in the Kingdom Seekers hallway, um, and they. So part of D1 is you know they they minister to you. So I got saved in the third lesson of D1, or not lesson, but the third teaching. Uh, rightfully, I, I got saved, and then he simply said, "Hey, you know, we we have an opening in seedlings. You guys are having a lot of babies. Do you want to come in and hold your own kids? Because we were keeping that room stocked. So we we uh, we go in there, and we're just in there once a month, just to get our get our feet. You know, I'm the type God made me to help whatever need I can, and just." Do it until i can 't breathe anymore, so that 's just the way i work it 's the way I operate, so we were just in there helping, and then it, of course we wanted more, so God was growing us more, so we started helping out a lot more and then um he actually made us leaders of or uh, Jason did he asked us to be leaders of seedlings, so we were just doing the schedule the you know making sure there were diapers to put on butts and and just stuff like that and then um it grew to even more I mean Jason and Paige they were transitioning out of the hallway into a pastor role because he's now a pastor over a uh, pass point and then it went over to Mitch Newland and so there was a lot of transition there but at the same time each end of the hallway was transitioning um, as well so we were just God was just moving us up we went over to Sunbeams and and Little Lambs to teach um, and he just kept using it of course like I said we moved up with all of our kids and then you know, <laughs> we just kept having them. So um, <laughs> so we just kept moving up, kept moving up. God kept using us to help that hallway as much as possible. But I can sit here and tell you now that it would not have happened if D1 wasn't an option. Because I, I can tell you now, I mean, I, we love the church and we love the investment. All of the relationships we have with all the faces in this room is because simply we wanted to know a little bit of information about new one and that's that's how it all started but the the kingdom seekers you don't have to have kids to be over there you know we we thought we we just had one kid so we, of course we were drawn to that side and of course we kept having them but um but god kept using just everything to letting us grow now we're leaders over uh, little lambs sunbeams and seedlings so he's once again using that and it just it all started because we were just obedient. I mean that's that's as simple as that. So the reason I read this verse was because I wanted to, to clarify that we that verse got is what put me through HBI or what put me into HBI. But it's applicable applicable because that's how we have to use that mentality over there. You know, oh how is a, a six month old gonna learn? Maybe they don't. But you know what? Holding them, investing in, in them, they know that. You know, when they move up to Sun Meme's, well, what are they going to learn? You teach them anyway. It doesn't matter. I mean, they they, they soak up everything. Everybody who has a 2-year-old or a 4-year-old in here knows that no matter what you say, we'll come out of their mouth later, regardless if it's good or bad. I mean, hopefully it's good. But, I mean, I, we have five at home. So I have a 3-year-old and a 5-year-old that literally mock each other all day long they 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 soak up everything that is said to them regardless if you see the transition or not so you know the babies is great because you can just invest your love into them holding them you know ooing and on with them crying when they cry it's just that's just how it works changing their butt it's just a huge investment sunbeams the same thing i mean it, it's literally and then you move up to little amps and it's it's a little more teaching but once again it's that's where that starts you know god put me into hpi to d1 to d2 through those verses because he wants just wants us to be ready and the lambs are so important because i was chosen as an adult and it's really hard to learn all of this stuff but if they're grown into it then it's able or it's easier for them to just soak it in. They already they have the foundation that God has given them, and then He's using us to do it. So, just thought I'd throw that out there. I've gone long enough. I'll let uh, Chris go.
1: All right, I want to give my little bit of testimony. Uh, it's definitely a little bit different fashion than Brady. So, we have four goals in discipleship here at hbf you know establishing the word uh, established in a fellowship of believers established in a local new testament church and then established in ministry and uh with uh the guy that took me through discipleship pat lee i don't know if he's in the house today but uh pat lee's here and so pat he just said hey come along what i'm already doing come and come and see come check this out and so we uh we started in in uh you know, the the children's ministry over here and the mighty warriors. And it started out just, uh, I'm kind of a helper. I'm kind of just getting uh, plugged in a little bit and seeing what this is all about. And then before you know it, he's like, Hey, I want you to teach the lesson. You know, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. And he's like, yeah, you can. And, and so, uh, Pat did a great job of establishing those goals, uh, and being established in ministry. And so after a period of time, uh, it was uh, with my my wife. Now we were we are engaged, and you know we just decided that uh, we wanted to start teaching together, and and so it's just been an amazing time. Because what you see here, you see all the kiddos here uh, sprawled out across the floor and then the chairs and everything, and uh, you know I wouldn't change it for nothing. You know I know sometimes it's like you know Pat wishes we can be back in there together, and uh, you know, but teaching with my wife has just been a blessing you know I've been blessed uh, to have a spouse that has that uh teacher quality you know she's a, and so but the thing with it is is it's really similar to that with Brady's that it is being established in uh ministry it, it all came down to the discipleship you know and uh you know so I was thinking about something this morning and uh I was I uh, had the opportunity to teach a Passpoint, and I shared with them about ministry. That ministry, a lot of times, is inconvenient. But it doesn't mean it has to be an inconvenience. And what I mean by that is that ministry happens at the busiest time. I think today is a prime example of that. That my wife and I, we just had a lot of things going on this morning. But you know what? It's not a burden. We enjoy doing it. We really are thankful that we have this opportunity to teach the lambs, to see them grow up in the Word. We've already seen so many move out, and it's always a sad time when they transition out, go into the next class. And so right now, currently, my wife and I are uh, mainly over the, we're both over the Caterpillars and the Mighty Warriors. Uh, We've been teaching in the Caterpillars, and uh, we've let some of the other instructors move up uh, to the Mighty Warriors. But it's just a hard time to see him go, but it's also a precious time. And so, what I want to do, I just want to encourage uh, right now anybody that has uh, a burden for that, that that they or have a call that God is laying it on your heart. That I mean, we don't just want you; we need you, and and the children need you, and and God wants you. He wants you in the ministry. And if you have a prick at all, just to you know look into that. You know, we have uh, information that you can get a hold of. And, and you, know, we have meetings, and we have a, um, a key, uh, orientation meeting that you can join at the first of the month. That, but it, man, we can use you. And uh, I, he might not say it, Mitch might not tell you it, but he, he can use you too. He will, and uh, we can all use. It. And so I'm just uh, thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for this church to be established in ministry. You know, if it wasn't for that, I don't think I ever would have just voluntarily signed up for the children's ministry. And so that's my testimony on how we joined. And I thank you. I hope you have a blessed day. So I'm going to give it over to Mitch.
2: As you can see, that's Chris and Brady. Uh, Like I said, they've been a huge blessing uh, to the Kingdom Seekers Ministry for um, a few years now. I don't know where to put that. Um, And they've truly helped me a lot. Many of you know... My wife and I have served in the Kingdom Seekers Ministry now for uh, going on eight years, I think, and uh, a little bit of our testimony. And that says thirty minutes, and I'm glad Brian is our pastor here because I will go over, and you guys are used to that. So, um, so I just wanted to say, you know, we when we started in the children's ministry, we were early in uh, discipleship, and uh, it was funny. I still, and I'll be honest with you, we used to do uh, Sunbeams, which is the little toddlers, and. Uh, back then, that we, we had enough um, children and enough helpers to have uh, two teachers and two helpers for the teachers. So we had four adults in each room. We had like 18 to 25 kids. It was, it was really good, and, uh, but we dreaded it every week. We were like, oh, man, like all these kids, it's going to be ridiculous. But as we surrendered over the years to God and his word, he completely softened our hearts. And uh, bless you. And uh, completely changed our heart for the ministry and has developed us um, through that over the years. And um, I often think of it in the same sense. Some of you uh, may not know me. Some of you do. um, But I did a few years in the military, and I was a paratrooper. And oftentimes, as I'm sitting, uh, and my buddy's here too, and oftentimes I'm sitting on a C-130, and I'm just like, man, how in the world did I get here? Like, what did I do to get myself here? And now I sit, I've been leading the ministry for maybe four years. I'm not even sure because I don't look at the time because I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it until the deadline hits, and until God calls us home, that's what I'm, what I'm here for. So um, I won't get too much more into my heart for the ministry, because I learned at the men's conference that uh, I used to make fun of some of the pastors that got emotional, but I tend to get emotional now. So uh, I'll just get into some preaching, if that's okay with you guys. So before I start, I want to go ahead and pray and just uh, get our hearts right. Dear Lord God, we just, uh, we just thank you um, for today. Uh, we thank you for the blessing that this day is, and Uh, We just thank you for what you've done in all of our lives and that you continue to do uh, in sanctifying us and uh, um, continuing to conform us to your image, uh, the image of your son. And I just pray that we would just be obedient to hear what you have to say and to allow it to uh, settle in our hearts so that we can do your work and so that we can see uh, lives transformed um, all the way down to two- and three-year-olds, Lord, who can uh, understand your word and who can apply it to their lives. uh, Lord, we just thank you for today. I, think, I pray that you'd uh, just give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech as I just speak from your word. And I just pray that uh, you would just move uh, through me. And I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I know what you guys are thinking. You know, all the children's ministry people are coming up. we got youth getting baptized. He's just going to sit here and talk about how we need people to work with the kids. Which, as Chris alluded, I'm not one to come up here and berate everyone. I'm like, oh, we need workers. Because it's funny how it seems in almost every church that children's ministry is always lacking help. And, but that's not my desire uh, to, you know, play whack-a-mole with all of you guys and say, you need to work in the children's ministry. That's not why I'm here. That may be what my flesh wants, but that's not what I'm going, uh, going to do. So if I'm going to be sincere in preaching the word of God, that means that there will be some reproof, and there will also be some rebuking, but there also is some exhortation. Second Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So my prayer is that whichever of those things needs to happen in each of your hearts today, that the Spirit would move and you would allow him to. And my desire is that you all may be perfect and complete in him. Colossians 1.28 says that whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then 2 Timothy 3.16-17 through 17 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I say all that so you don't shoot the messenger. So, because I'm going to step in some areas that you may not want me in, and specifically your homes. So, but I'm not going into your houses for bad. I intend it for good. Um, because it's our responsibility in the children's ministry to help you. We're not a daycare. We're not here to just watch your children while you get poured into every week. That is why we're here, to give you an opportunity. But we're here to help you to train up your children in the way that they should go. And that's our heart's desire. But it's the responsibility of the parents to put in the work. And we're here to help you. Uh, There's a shirt, you guys, some of you may see me wear sometimes. It says 1 over 168. And that's uh, in reference to the company uh, D6 out of Deuteronomy 6. And that is how many hours the average child gets in a church out of the amount of hours that are in a week. One hour out of 168. That's 167 hours that we need to be pouring into our own children. So, there's an enemy trying to destroy our homes, and it's my desire to help to see that that doesn't happen. We need our homes to stand the test of time and endure. So some of you may be confused on why I'm talking about your house like this, but if we use scripture to define what the house means, you hopefully will understand better. For, um, for this, we use one of the rules of Bible study, which is the law of first mention. And what the law of first mention does is it helps set the context for that word and the way it's used throughout Scripture. So the first mention of house is in Genesis 7-1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. The Lord's not talking about Noah's three-bedroom, three-bath ranch. It's his family. It's his house. I'll also say... uh, I tend to use a lot of scripture references. So if you've got quick thumbs, good on you. Um, and I will try to remember to let you know if there's a passage I would like everyone to go to, but I sometimes forget while I'm going. So, so I'm starting out of Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. So if you guys want to go there, you can. So, one thing that I find funny while we go there, when I'm preparing a message of any sort, whether it's in Past Point or um, in times we've gone to camp, it's funny how over the weeks when I'm preparing something, how other guys that are preaching tend to say things that I'm going to preach, which it's not them saying it. That's, that's, uh, that's God telling us that he has something to say to us. And just like with Brady, you know, talking about Colossians, I'll talk about that later. Colossians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and for good reason. And um, But you may have noticed on the bulletin we're coming up on our Bible conference, and the theme is out of Proverbs 24. So I think God has something to say to us through this uh, chapter in the Bible. So, Proverbs 24, 3-4 through four, says this. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. All of Noah's house was spared from the great flood because it was built with wisdom and established by understanding. That's what we need today. We need men of understanding leading us through the rough seas ahead. Ensuring that we all make it to see the promises of God fulfilled. Go ahead and go over to Mark chapter 4. Verses 37, verse 37 is where we'll start. Many of you know this story. It's a really good one, and uh, I'll go and start at 37. It says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. This is Jesus. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? As you see in this passage that, you know, Jesus is taking a nap in the bottom of a boat while the storm's rocking and uh, everyone's panicking in the storm. Why Why is it that he was the one who was sleeping? Because he had understanding. He had the understanding of what was going on and he had hoped that they had that as well. Our children are like the men on that ship. They lack understanding, and they're tossed to and fro in their emotions by every wind of doctrine. You see, in Jeremiah 4:22, this is speaking of Israel. It says, "For my people is foolish; they have not known me. They are sottish children." I think that's how you pronounce that, which I think it just means foolish, from what I found. And they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. And then Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And then finally Proverbs 7.7 7, it says and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. You know we often get upset with children when they do something wrong. But if they lack understanding of what they're doing, can we really blame them? I see this in our culture with the younger generations and the older generations. Uh, as I came out of the military, I'm, I'm a millennial uh, by, I guess, age, but not by personality, apparently. Um, and that's the grace of God. So, but oftentimes, when I would be around men at work that were older, they're constantly complaining about, oh, the millennials, oh, all these kids, they don't know anything. And I would always look at them and say, who taught them? It's us. Whoever is teaching the children is responsible for how they turn out. Uh, and the funny thing is, those adults act like children just as much as the children do. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was an interview with a World War, World War II vet. And I couldn't find it. I went back, tried to figure out where I watched it at, and I couldn't find it. But um, I loved what this guy said. He's probably pushing 100 years old. And they said, how does it make you feel when they talk about you guys as the greatest generation? And he looked at the interviewer and he said, we're not the greatest generation. Our parents were because they raised us. You have 14 and 15-year-olds going to war. And we have 30-year-olds living at home. First Corinthians 14:20 says, brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in, in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. So this is uh, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. They were a bunch of children. He had done everything he could to pour into them for years, and yet they were still children. They still lacked understanding. Because there is a part, as you get older, where you cannot continue to blame everyone else. There's a the time when you have to grow in understanding yourself. But for those that are little, it's our job to develop that with them and to help them. So is that you today? Toss to and fro? Understanding uh, is essential. And if you don't have it, you are like a child. You know, this morning, uh, I decided to... <laughs> It's funny, I didn't want to read too much this morning, because oftentimes when I do, when I'm trying to preach, God completely throws a whole other section into my sermon. Uh, So I went to Proverbs and just wanted to read the daily Proverbs. So if you go over to Proverbs 8 for today, we'll see something really cool. Because if you, I love the book of Proverbs, and uh, it is essential to teach our children the Proverbs. Um, But Proverbs chapter 8, today is the 8th, right? I read the right date. (laughs) I wore my watch without my date on it. So Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 5, it says this. So if, if that is you that lacks understanding, if you are as a child, Proverbs 8 says this, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way and the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming and at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. So let's examine ourselves in the light of Scripture to find out whether or not we are as children. So, we see this with children getting caught in storms. This is something I wasn't going to talk about because I tried to cut it out, but I'm going to do it anyway because we're going to go over. So... um, you know, I've been doing research for uh, on just just children in homes because this is it's heavy on my heart with working in the children's ministry and we're going through HBI. And, um, you know, with COVID and this whole past few years, there has been a massive uptick in adolescent and pre-adolescent suicide. Eight year olds to 12 year olds. They've given up because they don't have understanding. You know, suicide is a risk for all ages, and it is at an all-time high in all ages. But eight-year-olds, how badly have we failed our children? But first, I must say this. Proverbs 21.30 says, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. There is no understanding other than what is given by God. And for that to be possible, you must know him and the only way to know him is to know his son. 1 John two twenty three says, Whosoever denieth the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledgeth the son hath the father also. You may think you know the gospel, you know the right answers. But have you known Christ personally and understood what he did for you? Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 says this, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And then 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. If he's speaking into your heart, let him. Do not shut him out. He desires to know you and for you to know him. That is why he came here in the form of a man to live the life that you couldn't and to die the death that you deserve. Psalms 14, 2 through 3 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men, to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And as many of us know, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The children need to understand that. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. They need to understand that. Children don't have a hard time understanding that they've done wrong. But they need to understand what was done for them because of what they've done wrong. Then he conquered death, proving that he could do and give what he promised, eternal life. And if we place our faith in him over all else, not in our works, not in ourself, but in him alone, then he will give us an understanding and establish us for eternity. Romans 10:9 through 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you haven't done that, then when the storms come and they will come, you will not endure. So, if that is something that you need to do today, settle it today. Okay, so now on to you here that have trusted Christ. Just because you've done that does not mean that you automatically have all understanding forever. We often live in ignorance and think we're above others, and we need to be careful and take heed lest we fall. 2 Timothy 2.7 says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. So you can easily say, I have the Lord and I have understanding in all things. But Proverbs 19:8 says this: "He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul, and he that keepeth understanding shall find good. Understanding can be lost, and it can be kept." So I want to discuss how you lose understanding and what happens when you do, because everything you do has an action or not, well, I was gonna, wasn't going to say that, but everything has a consequence. There's an equal and opposite reaction to everything that we do. So here we go. How do we lose our understanding? Proverbs 21.16, for those of you note-takers, that's where that's at. Proverbs 21.16 says this. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. I'm going to take a drink real quick. I'll let that one settle in. So the first way we can lose understanding is by wandering. Wandering implies that you have no direction you aren't going anywhere. I believe many Christians today are in this state, remaining in the congregation of the dead. But hey, it keeps them safe from persecution and affliction. Second Timothy 3.12 says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Solution to that, don't live godly. This reminds me, uh, in our culture today, I I would assume most of us have seen some sort of zombie movie or zombie flick throughout our lifetime. So we've probably seen by now, and they, in, the, in the movies, they generally discover that if you cover yourself with enough zombie guts, they don't smell you anymore, and you blend right in to the congregation of the dead. So is that us? Are we so covered in the world that we blend right in? The second way that we lose understanding is by walking. Walking implies intention. You are going somewhere. You have direction. Ephesians 4, 17 through 18 says this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding. Cool thing here is this is why it's so important to understand and pay attention to every word in Scripture. Because I used to recite this verse in my head. And it would say, having their understanding darkened. That's what I always, when I would remember it, that's what I thought it said. Until I was prepping this sermon, and it says, having the understanding darkened. Because understanding comes from God, it's his understanding. It's the understanding. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Our life is often referred to as a walk, or when we get saved, we often refer to it as our walk with Christ. And as believers in Christ, there's a particular way we should walk directionally and in our gait. which if you don't know what that is, it's like how you walk. And the funny thing is if you uh, research human behavior, everyone has a specific, unique gait. That's how the uh, intelligence agencies can find people just by how they move and how they walk. And that's how we should be. We should be easily identified by how we walk. I look at it this way. You can either walk towards the first Adam. We all know who he is. And that's regression. Or toward the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And that's progression. And if you choose neither, and uh, I, I used to think of it in the sense of, you know, you're either walking one way or the other. There's, you're, you're choosing one. But after preparing this message, I've realized that if you don't choose either, you're wandering. You're lukewarm. You're right in the middle, like a good Laodicean just where you should be not where you should be but where you are all right so what does this lead to let's look at some evidence of wandering and walking so what's it look like when we do this we see the evidence of walking and wandering and the consequences through three different men in scripture the first one you probably guessed it it's lot but not just lot just lot because he was just 2 Peter 2.7 says, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Lot was conformed to the world. He pitched pitched his tent towards Sodom, and their filthy lives vexed him. Genesis 19.8 says, Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. For those of you who don't know that story, the story of Lot is, uh, I know for my wife, it is one of her least favorite stories because she, she has a hard time understanding how he can be called just. But the angels come in to let Lot know that judgment is coming on Sodom. And all of the men are so reprobate and so wicked. That they're chasing these men down uh, to do awful things with them. So Lot offers up his daughters instead of them, not understanding that angels can take care of themselves, which they later do in the passage, as you see, blinding the men. And he says, For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof, of his house. What about his daughters? He was willing to put his daughters out to the men in the streets. The fact a father could do that is unfathomable. He was so conformed to the world that no one believed his report of judgment. Genesis 19, 14 says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He was so far gone He so lacked understanding that they laughed at him. This man didn't understand what he had under his roof and his daughters. To the extent, to even the men that his daughters were given to. Because that's what a father does. He gives away his daughters. This guy is not a man of understanding. He's failed his family and his wife becomes known for her saltiness. its a pun. And his daughters, well, they're vexed and void of any understanding as well. Genesis nineteen thirty one through 32. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father's old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the seed of our father. You know, oftentimes that would give such disgust to even think of a passage like that. But look at today. Is it so unlike what we see? They were so far from understanding, not knowing that the God that Lot supposedly was serving could preserve them for eternity. You could see that through Abraham, their own uncle, right? I think that's right. And, uh, but they could see that, but yet they were so blind because of the lack of understanding given to them. Romans 12.2 says, be, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to stay unspotted from the world, to stay pure, and that only happens by renewing our mind in the Word. The second sign of wandering and walking out of understanding is we're comfortable in our flesh. You guys remember that old prophet Eli he was comfortably walking in the flesh. On both accounts, um, so if you don't know the story, uh, I won't go to it right now. It's in first Samuel, uh, for time's sake, because I'm slim on time. Uh, Hannah gives her son Samuel to the Lord. But when she goes to pray for a son before Samuel's born, uh, he thinks she's drunk. He's so out of tune with God and the Holy Spirit that she thinks he's, she's a drunk. I mean, how far gone as a, as a priest can you be to not realize when someone is genuinely contrite in their spirit for something? His first instinct wasn't that she was praying. And also his first instinct with Samuel wasn't that the Lord was calling him. Are we missing the fact that God is calling our children because we're so distracted in our flesh? Because he is calling them. The result of his fleshly lifestyle of excess led his children down a dark path. First Samuel 2.16 says, If any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. That was his sons talking to the people bringing their sacrifices. They were following their father's example. And they were taking more than what was needed for the priests doing the sacrifice. They were taking an abundance and excess from the people. This ultimately led to their early death from living in riot and unruliness. Titus 1.16 says, if any man be blameless, the husband of one wife having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. We are priests and kings if we are with God. And he was too. But his children were not just accused of riot and unruly, they were judged for riot and unruly. First Samuel four eighteen says, and it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. You now I think there's something with wandering in a group of people for forty years, something with that, and wandering away from understanding. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The third way, confused by the devil. I decided to go with Adam on this one. There's a few different uh, people we can find in Scripture that were confused by the devil. But it starts in the beginning. And in Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field <clears throat> which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the. Tre- <clears throat> Sorry, yea hath God said, "You shall not eat of every tree of the garden." <clears throat> Adam and his wife Eve were beguiled by the devil, leading the entirety of mankind into sin nature. Thank you, Adam. That is what the devil does, though he lies in wait to deceive. You see that in Proverbs seven with the young man that was void of understanding. The woman lied in wait on the street corner waiting for him to walk by. He's also the author of confusion. And confusion leads to compromise. Compromising on the word of God, which always leads to sin. And we see this in our current Christian culture. Hundreds of Bible translations for everyone to apply to their lives. Formed to fit their lives specifically. Yet without forming their life to his. You could also look at their immediate physical offspring as well. The first murder of Cain and Abel, their own children. It seems that Adam has failed at leading his family in the way of understanding, spiritually and physically. Ephesians four twenty seven says, Neither give place to the devil. If we are not diligent to walk in the Spirit and to be watchful and to actually do our job, leading our homes, then we will give place to the devil. We have welcomed the enemy into our homes. There are many ways that we can do that, and I won't get into them all now. But uh, it is, there are houses on fire, and we need to do something about it. So first, we need to stay in the way of understanding. So how do we do that? You know, Chris mentioned that he taught in Passpoint this morning, and he was teaching the past two weeks through Ezra, And uh, it's really cool how uh, other passages will tie into what you're preparing. And it says in Ezra 8.21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava. Uh, I think I miswrote this. Sorry, in my haste. I'm going to go there so I don't misquote this. Ezra 8.21, if you'd like to go there too, you can. So he's been teaching about Ezra and being a ready scribe and uh, being a student of the word uh, and being a uh, shepherd. And I left for the last one. I can't remember what it was. What? I can't hear. I'm sorry. (laughs) Ezra 821 says this. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us. And for our little ones. And for all our substance. Are we seeking the right way for our homes? We can say we are all day long, but the evidence speaks. Our culture speaks. Our neighborhoods speak. So the first way that we can stay in the way of understanding is to be in God's will. 1 John 2.17 says this, And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He's established. I'll keep these ones short for time's sake. The second way is to study God's word. Being a discipleship church, we all probably know 2 Timothy 2.15 by heart. But study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And my second passage here is actually the the passage of Scripture that God used to specifically call me to go to HBI. See, the way that we do these things is by surrendering to God's will. And He wants us to be saved, and He also wants us who are saved to be sanctified. And that happens through discipleship. It's an investment of the word of God in others, in children, in adults that need it. And that is how God has ordained that to work. And you know, we need to take advantage of the opportunities that we have. These men that we have right now, we are blessed with teachers of God's word. I mean but these men, they won't be here forever. If the Lord tarries, who's going to replace them? Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. That was the verse that God used when I was praying about if I should go to HBI uh, and if that's what he had for me. I was reading that proverb, and I could get into the, the rest of that story. It was, I went to a wrong cross-reference, and uh, it actually con- concreted that decision. Uh, but 1528 says, the heart of the righteous, righteous studieth to answer. So we need to be in God's will. We need to study God's word, and we need to abound in God's work. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I like to think of abounding uh, as if anybody else was military in here. Uh, I was a grunt. I was infantry. Um, but we would do, uh, Brendan, you probably remember this, buddy team bounding movements And we would always have a thing we would say, you would move forward and you would say, cover me while I move. And your buddy would call out to you and say, move out, I've got you covered. And we would bound forward on an objective. That is what we should be doing in God's work. There are times and seasons when some of us don't do as much. We may be doing other things that aren't as prevalent in the sight. But we need to be supporting each other and driving each other forward, abounding in the work of the Lord. That happens through his church. There's no other way that God has set his plan to work except through the local New Testament church. There are so many people. I've heard this whole thing of the radical divorce with the church and my affair with Jesus. What in the world? Are you kidding me? You're the bride of Christ. How do you have an affair with your husband? That doesn't work. We are the church. We need to be members of the church so we can get into the work and so that we can please God and be in his will. Abound in the work. Study God's word so we can be in his will. If we do these things, we may one day hear him say, come now and all thy house into the place I have prepared for you. That was a mix of two verses, so I didn't quote it, but uh, that's what he said to Noah. He said, come thine in all thy house. And then he also said, when Jesus left, he says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Will our homes be there? Will our house be there? Will our children be with us? Now, there's no guarantee what our children would do. We see that uh, many times in scripture. We cannot guarantee someone's decision, but we can provide them every opportunity to understand what they need to do. Now, I want to speak to one more thing. That was a really good place to lay, land the plane, and I'm five minutes over, but I have something else I want to hit on. I often hear Christians saying things like, you know, come, Lord Jesus. I can't wait for the trumpet to sound. They're longing for the catching away of the church. Now, don't hear me wrong. I get where they're coming from. But let's not be so selfish, because that day may mean joy for us, but it means wrath for so many others. I think we could change our perspective a little of the rapture, and it would help serve as a reminder I listened to this podcast the other day, uh, and it was discussing the power of deadlines and using that for um, productivity in your life to get things done. It was interesting because they discussed how how that term had originated, which they said they believe was during the Civil War. And it was a line that when crossed by anyone, you were killed on sight. You cross the line, you're dead. It was later adopted for newspaper companies and the corporate world and all of that. But maybe we can look at the rapture as a deadline. Because once it comes, judgment falls, not only on non believers and Jews, but on Christians as well. We will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and some will suffer loss. first Corinthians 3 9 through 15 says this For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. Of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's the lots in the group saved, but so as by fire. We may come to see that we are not only deceived by the great deceiver, but we are deceiving ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13 5 says, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in ye in you, except ye be reprobates. We need to examine ourselves and make sure that we are in the way of understanding. Because we will lead no one anywhere if we don't have it ourselves. I'll end on this note. One of my favorite passages, passages of Scripture. And this is what I mentioned of Brady talking about this. It's Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Let's go ahead and go there again. If you ever need somewhere to read and you're you're, um, struggling with finding where to study your Bible, go to Colossians. Uh, It's a letter written by Paul specifically to the Church of Colossae. But you'll see there's a mention of the church of Laodicea, which is the church age that we live in today. And, uh, you know, I feel like we should probably study a letter that was written to us, you would think. Now, all the Bible is um, for us, not each passage is specifically to us, um, but Colossians is is a really good one to study. So we'll end on this. Colossians 1, 9 through 14 says this. For this cause... We also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father. Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He hath delivered us, yet so many times we deliver ourselves and our homes back into bondage. Let's be free today. We're still in a free country. And our souls have been set free if we've trusted Christ.
1: Uh, that was good for Mitch. He, that's what, those
3: things that they stretch you and we all need to be stretched. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Mitch touched on a a lot of stuff here, and uh, two things I want to at least talk about. First of all, he talked about uh, two paths. And the question is very, very simple. Those of you in here, have you chosen the right path? Um, If there's anyone in here who's not too sure of that, there's anyone in here that's got questions in your minds, I'm a strong believer in the Holy Spirit of God, working in the hearts of men and women. If you are not sure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, make that a certainty today. We've got a couple of folks down here in the front, Bob and Carrie, who would be more than happy to show you what the Word of God has to say about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it must start. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not sure of that, today would be a good day to get that question answered. He also talked about us who do know Jesus. Um, Very challenging. Um, What are you doing with your new life in Christ? What are you doing with that wonderful gift of everlasting life? He mentioned Getting involved in service, in ministry. That's one of the ways to use that gift of eternal life. Are you using that gift to its full potential? If you're not sure about that, I'm sure Bob and Carrie has plenty to show you in the Word of God concerning that. The point being is this, folks. If there is a decision that needs to be made in any of our hearts, now is the time to make that decision. Now is the time to make that decision. And that's as far as I'm going to take it, because really, bottom line, it's between you and the Lord. Amen? All right, so I'm going to have a word of prayer. Uh, is there anyone? Okay, if not, I'm going to have, go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then Luke is going to come up and close out the service. Father in heaven, um, I am grateful, Lord God, for um, what you placed on Mitch's heart. Um, how it uh, stretched this man but yet he he bore his heart to us he read some very powerful scriptures uh, scriptures that we often read right on through and don't even think about but i pray father in heaven that uh, by your blessed spirit that dwells within us that you would make these scriptures alive to us and if there's anyone in here that does not know jesus christ as their personal lord and savior i pray lord god that you would impress that individual that they would seek someone out and have them show them how they can know christ And for those of us who know you and love you, I pray, Father, that we would indeed sanctify ourselves unto you and that we would serve you and show our love towards you in that service. We thank you and praise you in
1: Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Luke.
4: Uh, So I
5: wanted to come up here and wrap up uh, the service this morning by... Uh, mentioning camp again and just I told you guys earlier that we just got back on Friday and um, it was a it was an awesome time and and God really was doing a work in a lot of the the people's hearts and I could I could spend the next 20 minutes sharing what God's doing in my life based on what we heard at camp and and just the way God was moving but uh, I instead of doing that um, I've asked all the campers that went if if any of them would like to share and we actually have several of the campers that would like to share just what God's doing in in their life and so Bianca if you want to come up first. Bianca's gonna share, I don't know what, but whatever God's doing in our life uh through camp, so
6: Hi, so um, my name's Bianca. I would assume most of you know me. Some of you probably don't. Um so first my favorite part of camp was honestly when my friend came up to me the last night and she she had been crying. Uh, and she said, Bianca, I finally accepted Jesus to my heart. She just <laughs> she just hugged me and it was amazing. I'm not gonna mention her by name because she doesn't want to be embarrassed. Um but I think Wednesday night, uh, when Stephen was preaching, that was the guy that was preaching every night and morning, uh, it was amazing. Um God really just, <coughs> He really just grabbed a hold of my heart. And, uh, He was like, Hey, you know what you need to do. And I was like, Yeah, I guess I do. And so I cried that night. Um, and I made some decisions. And now I'm walking better, walking with God for the most part. There's still a few things I need to work out, but camp was amazing, and if there are any kids of thinking going next year, you should, and you better, and I will
5: see you there. Alright, so next we've got Sam Hedges. Come on up. (laughs) He's got a cheering section.
7: Yeah, there's a lot more people if I don't have a guitar. I'm not distracted right now like usual. But, hi, I'm Sam. Um, I'm Pastor Brian's son. Most of you guys know me. Uh, I've gone to church here my whole life, so all the things people've been talking about all day, all of Sunday. I'm the product of all of their hard work, so I appreciate that a lot. Luke's my discipler. I've had Chris as a counselor. He's not in here anymore. Uh, Brady has been my counselor. I mean, Mitch has invested in me my whole life, so I appreciate them a lot. But, um camp really is just a life-changing thing, and I I really recommend anybody who has kids who are going to be of the age soon, or if you're a teenager, I really recommend it. It'll change your life forever. I mean, I've had people who have grown up in church with me my whole life just make life-changing decisions that impacted them for the rest of their lives. There's a lot of pastors who are at the camp, actually, who got saved when they were teenagers at church camps, just like ours, so I really recommend anybody just... It's a great time if you're an adult. I recommend going and helping. It'll it'll change your life. Cause I was like the only high school guy, which really doesn't sound that much fun hanging out with a bunch of middle school guys a whole week, but it actually was awesome. I mean, they're like my little brothers. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, for getting baptized, making that decision. I see so much of myself in you guys. But um, I just I I can't say enough how much camp has changed my life. Not even this year. I mean, this was my last camp, which is kind of sad to think about. But, um, just over the years, I mean, my best friends, people are like brothers and sisters and me. have just, God has changed your life tremendously. I've seen the craziest transformations of the craziest things you can never like dream of. And it's, it's amazing. Just God can do anything through you if you just let him. So, uh, invest in your kids, guys. I mean, seriously, I mean, I have an awesome father. He's done everything he can in me and my sister's life, but just do everything you can to make sure your kids understand because, I mean, God's the way, the truth, and life. No man can come the Father but by Him. So you can do everything you can, but as long if your kids don't understand that your relationship with God doesn't transfer to them, then, I mean, it, it's a tragedy not to see the people you love in heaven, and I pray that, I mean, everybody can get the chance to share that with the people they love. I think that's all. I'm, I appreciate everybody, too, everybody investing in me through my life. I mean, I'm almost 18, so I'm almost done, but I appreciate you guys so much. that.
5: He's almost 18, and he's almost done, he says. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) We have have two more. Claire, you want to come on up here? So this is Claire Morrow, and I'm guessing she's a little bit nervous, but she's going to be great.
8: It's safe to say that I liked all of camp, and I'm really glad I got to go. Even the parts where it was hard, like walking through the dark and opening up to people. Though my favorite part was quiet time, like in the mornings, where you would go out in the morning to explore camp and to do your devotional while having time with God. Another part I liked was meeting new people from other churches and holding on to each other. I also was It was also my first time tubing, and it was definitely a good time. We also got to eat ice cream together, and we had a great time. Our group leader, Brenda, recommended that I write my testimony, and I never thought, really thought about it before. And so I did, and I'm really glad I did. Unfortunately, I can't tell you all the good conversations we had and the great preachings we got to hear. So next year, I recommend that you go and that your life can be changed.
5: So we actually had a lot of campers that was their very first time. It was Claire's first time to go to camp with us. And uh, we, I think probably half or maybe a little more than half of our campers had not been to camp with us before. So uh, it was really good to just, you know, get away and spend some time with those guys. Uh, and then lastly, Otis. Otis Spring.
4: Um so uh, it was a really good time at camp um the preacher there uh really got on my nerves because um he said some things he said some things that hit really close to home um if you're thinking about going i you should go um it really made me think twice about my relationship with uh Jason. um like we had a lot of fun there there were some fun activities um and like it was just really nice to like in the morning, like after you got up, just to like have some like time alone with like just you and God. Um and so, um, like it was great. Um so about the people that said pork and beans, um I did a lips- I did the lip sync battle. So I was like the only solo person, but that's a song I did. Um but um yeah, it was it was just like a really fun time and it was great. So
5: So we let we did a lip sync battle. Uh, I think it was the last night, and so any of the kids or the campers or the adults could sign up for it. And so Otis signed up to sing a song called Pork and Beans. And so I think that will be forever probably the way that a lot of us will think of Otis when we hear that song, <laughs> or when we eat pork or beans, or I don't know. It was it was it was good. Uh, it'll there's going to be some at the end after I'm done praying. There'll be a slideshow. You can stay around and watch if you want. Uh, with pictures and stuff, and you'll see some pictures from that. I don't think we have a video from that lip sync battle in this slideshow. Okay, we have the videos. If anybody wants, Leslie, if you want any like reasons to, you know, blackmail your child, we have video evidence of it. Uh, We can provide that to you. So um, anyways, it was a great week at camp, and so um, the last thing I want to do, I almost forgot. Um, If you went to camp or as a student or as a cook, so our church had the responsibility of providing breakfasts, breakfast and lunch, uh, most of the week of camp, and so that was kind of a late uh, thing that we had to come up with, and so I was scrambling and asking people and trying to, you know, put all that together, and so we had several people, uh, Bethany Pearson, uh, you guys know Doug and Bethany have been in town for the last few months, and Bethany came to me like the week before camp and was like, you know, I want to come and I want to help and. She was amazing in the kitchen. We had other kitchen helpers that came down for a day or half a day or whatever. And and so, anyways, if you went to camp as an adult or as a student, if you just stand up, and I want to recognize you guys and let everyone see who went and participated. Uh, The last thing I want to wrap up with is announcements. I was tasked with announcements. So there are several things in your bulletin. I don't want to spend a lot of time because we're already way over time. But uh, HBI orientation is uh, a week from today. So if you're signing up for HBI, you need to sign up and go to the orientation next Sunday. It will be right after church, I think. We're not doing a men's breakfast on the twenty-first, but they are doing. They're calling it a man meeting. So uh, we didn't do the men's conference this year. So uh, August twenty-first on a Saturday, we're going to do a men man meeting here at church, Um, and then the life issues recovery walk. Is there anything extra besides when it is? Okay, so it's uh, September the third. It's a Friday night, and um, I think some some years we have more church participation than others. So uh, it's free to just come out and walk if you want to walk. and then there's all kinds of stuff going on afterwards and food and, and things like that. So uh, come out to that if you can. It's September the 3rd. Uh, see Steve Fleshman for information about that. Uh, the Oaxaca missions trip. If anybody is interested in going uh, to see Joe and Amy Hendricksman in Mexico uh, in November, it's at the end of November this year, there's a meeting right after church. Uh, Mitch is it? Common Grounds Room right over here. Uh, Mitch and Jody are leading that trip. So Uh, If you want more information about that, it's in that room uh, immediately after church. So I think that's it. There's a lot of stuff in the bulletin, so read that. Take a look at those things, and uh, just thank you guys for your patience and time. If you want to stay and watch the video, it's going to start as soon as I'm done praying. Um, If you need to go get kids or whatever, that's fine, but um, if anybody wants to stay for that, that would be great. So let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Dear Holy Father, God, I just come to you this morning just thanking you for uh, just everything that's uh, gone on today. God, I thank you for uh, just this week we had at camp and for the decisions that were made and for the baptisms that happened and for um, for all the ones that got up and shared, God, just about what you're doing in their life. And um, God, we, we challenged them to to go public with their uh, walk with you, God. And, and uh, this was a an intimidating step for a lot of them to get up here and, and talk and share. And God, I just thank you for that. Thank you for their willingness to do that. I pray that uh, all of us would be bold, God, in, in our daily lives and just look for opportunities to be public about our relationship with you and uh, that we wouldn't fear what others think about us, God, but we would instead uh, love the people that we're sharing with more than we're uh, afraid to share with them, God, and recognize that um, that there is only one way to, to heaven, and that's that's through your son, Jesus Christ. And um, how will they know except we tell them, God? So I just pray for uh, just boldness and courage for all of us as we go forth this week that we would just be looking for opportunities to uh, to be public about our relationship with you. And uh, I just ask your blessing on the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Amen.